the Daily Talk Show, episode 725, and this is a two-parter. We've got Josh Pitterman, and then we've got returning guest Brad Blanks after a full night's sleep. Uh, this will also be the last episode of our 24-hour live stream series. It's been so great to be with you all week, releasing these one by one. I hope you've enjoyed listening to them. I think the 24-hour live stream idea was a huge success, uh, and we're so grateful for everyone who came on. It's going to be great to go back and listen to these in the future. So, I hope you enjoy this final episode. It is a two-parter with Josh Pitterman and Brad Blanks. Josh Pitterman! <laughs> I'm so pissed off. He, his hair is so much better than mine. And, you know, you gotta, I've got to take my hat off. Mate, I haven't been. Actually, no, I'm not 19 hours into a, uh, into a um, podcast, podcast. Like, oh, whatever you want to call yeah. it. You guys are, I've slept. <laughs> you're and you're, fresh, is that mate. a blow dry job? You, does that buddy? require, does that, re- just quickly, does that require some level of hot heat coming out of a, a hairdryer? <laughs> nah. No, no, no. The technique is a simple technique. Shower. Oh. Chuck the beanie on. When you get the beanie off, you get that. Oh, mate! If I yeah, did that, dude. could you imagine if I had done that, TJ? When I had hair, what my hair would look like? <laughs> <laughs> no, Josh, that is so good. I'm so glad I know this because I did the exact same thing, and I and I would do it after, and I reckon it's got something to do with like the heat, but then sort of like an oil buildup in my hair that just holds it back. Anyway, mate, enough about it's a strong oil builder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hi yeah. lads. Um, how are you, dude? Because fuck, we—I feel like you just sort of up and left and had this role on the Phantom of the Opera on the West End, and we didn't even know about it. We saw you only a month or so before you left. I feel like you're keeping stuff from us. I was keeping stuff. It was strong level of of keep happening. Um, yeah, I, I was sworn to secrecy. So, um, yeah, I, I'd known about it for maybe oh, two months before I left. Yeah. So it was, uh, and that was, wow. when was that? July, June, July last year, I found it. I found it. No, May, June last year, I found out. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I was over to the UK in, in July and I've been here ever since. And um, as you all know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's pretty mad here at the moment. And so what did it look like for the first few months of, of um, experiencing the whole thing? Ah, oh, of the COVID thing? Or no, the no, thing? no, of your, for the phantom thing. Like before all the COVID shit hit, of like what was it living like? The oh, dream. It, was, it was, it's awesome. I mean, like, you know, the Phantom of the Opera is like one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic musical of all time. Um, the Phantom, therefore, is like the most iconic role of all time. Mask Life is epic. Um, it's like for me and being a sort of sort of classical style music theatre singer and a pretty eccentric dude, uh, pretty deep dude at times, um, it's like the perfect role to play. And I've dreamed about it for, um, I don't know, since I started this thing and um, this career a million whatever years ago and um, listening and watching Anthony Warlow and all of that. So it was like, it was literally living the dream. Um, and rehearsals were amazing. And, um, and it's been incredible. I mean, it, it is literally the role that keeps on giving. It's bloody hard. It's a taxing role. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, eight shows a week, but it's just, it's just so good to do. Like, I don't know, it's, it's, the listeners know, like or the viewers know what like that score is. 
um, it's it's mm. the best, like music of the night. There is no better song to sing. Um, yeah, so yeah. anyway, it's been um, awesome. And then March 16th, shit changed a bit. Oh, mate. I just want to sort of bask in that sort of... Um, amazing time that you had whitey in the in the youtube comments says said that um phantom of the opera is his it's his favorite i remember seeing like i haven't even seen it right but i remember walk, r running around the house saying that line the phantom of the opera is here and my mum would tell me and so my mum lived in london and she i think she's seen it and i mean when was your first time seeing that when was the first time you saw that show or sort of got introduced to that as a performer? Uh, I was 17 when I got introduced to it. Um, so that was like 2002. And by that time, it had already been running on the West End for 16 years without a break. Like this show, like it, we're, it's at 34 years now. This is the first time it's had any sort of break. Like mm -hmm. that's crazy. Um, and so I was listening to an Anthony Warlow CD uh, at my mate's house. Um, it was his parents' collection of, um, and uh, and yeah, I just fell in love with with that song with music. I hadn't, I hadn't heard um, the the type the titilia track. Is that is that is that how we say title? <laughs> titilla track. Um, anyway. <laughs> I just want to say, and it's only where was five fifteen pm. Like, what's your excuse? It's it's two fifteen here. No, <laughs> no, 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 no excuse. I appreciate um, and uh, and so yeah, I was listening to it. And I just like, this is what I want to do. Uh, it's when I first got into musicals and and the began. Um, and I said, this is the role I want to do. This is the song I want to sing. Um, and so yeah, it's sort of crazy that. Uh, 17 years later I've got to do it yeah. what's the lifestyle like um, obviously like pre-COVID is it like cafe culture like what, what's the what's the actual like what's day-to-day -day in um, in your um, life it's I, I wish it was spectacular and sort of um, glamorous mate but it's like mm -hmm. it's such a big thing and such a big act it's sort of easier to go from when I get into the theatre um, which is a about five o'clock for a 7.30 show. I do about um, an hour of warm up, sort of mental, physical, vocal um, or so, and have something to eat. And then I get into the makeup chair at about 6.30. Takes just over, well, just around an hour or so to do the makeup. Um, all the prosthetics and everything to, um, because under the mask is quite the deformity. Um, and we've got to get this thing looking ugly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, and then from there I do another little warm up, and then I go on stage about 20 minutes into the show. Um, and then after the show's done, I don't, I chat to some people at stage or, and I don't talk from about 10 30 that night till midday the next day. I'll do a bit of movement, some yoga or something, eat, uh, when I, when I wake up, um, generally pretty late, 9 30, 10. Yeah. As I said, don't talk till midday. And, um, it's all really about recovery and getting ready to do it all again um so in those five hours between sort of 12 and 5 i'm slowly warming up my voice a little bit um as a gentle movement go for a walk do some yoga and 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 eat and chat to my fam or chat to um lottie my girlfriend and and then go in and do it all again on on the matinee days thursdays and saturdays all of that just gets pushed forward earlier and i'm in the theater from about midday and don't get out of makeup until 10 30. 
So, yeah. I feel like what I was the, asking what was the about cafe culture then because it seems like there's not only is there <laughs> no cafes, there's no talking. Like it's that that's yeah. fucking well, I, intense. J, um, JP, we called up in Sydney when you were doing the show up in Sydney. It was the final run. What was what was that one? Um, Beautiful karaoke cafe. Y- yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Were you still doing that show? Because that was cafe culture. We we did have a nice sort of kombucha oh, yeah, yeah. there, and you but, were very relaxed. Oh yeah, that was that was gen, um, genuine cafe culture. I mean, occasionally, if I'm <laughs> if there's a cafe. Then this will happen at about four o'clock before I go into the theatre. I'll meet a mate for a coffee. I'm not obsessed with the cafe but, thing. I just I just <laughs> had this sort of like vision of some sort of I can't even remember what happens in the notebook, but I just have these. Uh, sorry, not notebook. What is it? Um, fact, what's what's the movie that you watched the other day, Sevs? The the one Notting Hill. Um, you know that no, that Notting sort Hill. of okay, um yeah. that that English, sort of vibe yeah. where it's just like oh you're accidentally bumping into people, but like maybe there's some avocado in it nowadays with a bit of feta or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway (laughs) it's it's, it's sort of not the case that but when i was doing that show in sydney tommy um yeah because the the role i was playing jerry didn't really sing very much and so i could i did all the cafes all the meats all the brunches all the everything so um so that uh that one was easier to um spend my money on avo and feta this one it's it's at home avo (laughs) yeah well the um what would run us through the first few shows because i could imagine your heart is thumping. You're a seasoned performer, though. Doesn't but, matter, but mate. You always like get nervous. Uh, well, the beautiful thing about the first show, so that was September 9th. My family, my parents flew over from Oz, um, and they were there for the first week, so they saw opening night and maybe my first matinee performance. Um, I had my cousins who live in London, my auntie all there, my partner Lottie and her family from Scotland all came. I had a couple of other mates. I probably had a posse of about 20 there, and they were going chicken oriental um like everyone was just going <laughs> absolutely nuts um chickpea and lentil if any if you're a vegan um and yeah. <laughs> uh it was it was just amazing and, and honestly it's been one of those shows that um yeah you have nerves and all that but it's just so fulfilling like i just feel like my heart is so the cup mm. is so full as a creative and as a mm. singer and as an actor I just get sort of lost in it um, and, you know, there's, yes, there's pressures and whatever, but there's always pressures um, to sort of do it eight times a week. Um, the other thing that's great about doing it Did here I... is that it's a system and it's been going for so long. They know how to guide you through and they know how to like, you know, build you up to how to sustain it eight times a week. I, I just feel like it's, um, it's perfect for you. Like I've, meeting you, like hearing you sort of talk about it, um your your energy in person is you know you said you kind of not i don't think you would use the word intense but like you feel you're a feeler and i feel like you'd just be in loving this whole whole thing like it is so you at the moment when when it came march and the disruption what is that doing to you um well you know i'm a feeler you also know i'm a like a pretty uh I guess like spiritual dude um mm. and like my, my sort of sayings are always this too shall pass and control what you know the controllables and i mean it's a virus it's awful it's hideous um you know way too many people are ill with it and way too many people have died um 
to find the financial disruptions, the economic disruptions. I mean, we know all of that, um, yeah. but, um, you know, not being able to put on a mask and do Phantom of the Opera, I guess, bears into some sort of insignificance when you compare it to, you know, the vast nature of what's actually happening around the world. I mean, everyone's affected. So my suffering is, is, <laughs> is no more um, sort of valuable than anyone else's suffering. In fact, it's far less than, than most. So, um, you know, it's over for the time being. Um, it's why well, it's on pause for the time being. And when things get up and running again, whenever that is, and the people can go into theatres and, and, um, and they can do it safely, I'll just be back in the mask doing it again. Singing all the tunes. Were there certain stages? So, like, I guess, um, like, it's been a bit of time now since we've been in isolation doing all that sort of thing. Has your opinion and thoughts changed over the time? Um, I think there's an acceptance that I reached at about week two or week three. Um, what does not accepting it look like? So, before you get to week two, what is that? What's, what's that? Um, it's like trying to control everything, trying to like get on top of it. How am I going to make an income? How am I going to keep, you know, um, my voice up? When are we going back? Um, you know, not, trying to get all the information all the time, you know, and, and, um, be on top of life and then sort of surrendering to the fact that, you know, this will pass when it passes is, was, was the lesson that I had to sort of reteach myself pretty quickly um and I'm, I'm glad i've done that sort of work in the past and um i guess meditation and and being a spiritual woo woo do to sort of help me with that um and um and and now i mean yes we all want to control certain things but i i, I think it's probably more um beneficial to control what's happening i guess between one's ears at the moment than and and you know doing all the things to avoid the virus than it is to sort of um you know, spend each day fretting about your bank account. I don't, I, yeah. you know, just don't think it's a, um, a constructive um, mode of operation. Mm. Did you panic by it's, anything? Because it's sort of governed by fear. Did I panic by anything? Um, yeah. Um, panic bought new linen. Um, <laughs> panic, <laughs> panic bought, although it's in the other room because the missus is using it, a ring light. Oh, yeah. And, right. and, yep with with the tripod to put the phone for like all the insta live singing i was doing yeah. uh panic bought um uh what are they called like um Pull so up bar? lottie's just coming through no no like bands uh, <laughs> yeah can come in come in this <laughs> it's your home <laughs> I, I'd like to uh, well lottie can come you can come in through Say hi to Josh, Tommy, and Mason. And Mason. They are. Oh, um, I'll, I'll take this hi, off. Lottie. Um, they're 19 hours into a 24-hour live thing. Like wow. these tired faces. Yeah. That's very. Impressive. Josh told me about that last. Like, are you sleeping? Yeah, no. Absolutely no, we, not. We don't. We're <laughs> right now, and we're um, we're pushing through to all seven a.m. Is a laugh. He hasn't actually said anything yet. He's so kind. <laughs> yeah. Look at yeah. yeah Sevs no, doesn't normally look like that. It's a you I'm, look terrible. I'm so drained. <laughs> yeah. I the convo, Josh. What was that? Sorry. You're having caffeine. Chocolate nah. Well, we we're, we're just talking about caffeine. We, we it's two twenty five a.m. here, and so we think that McDonald's might still do coffee. So we could get that. 
but um, mm-hmm. we're we're too delirious to make a decision. We'd like to get some a few little groceries. A few little groceries. Go right. yeah. grab us a cup. Grab, grab us a cup of coffee if you can. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, that, that's uh, that's sort of in short how how I've been sort of coping with it. And I, I got really I, I did get quite busy and do this like really nutcase insta live um, isolation world tour because I love singing songs in different from different parts of the world. So I it was like a twelve stop world tour and I every few days I was somewhere else in the world and it was a bit of a laugh and you know when we ended up in in Scotland and this one and I did it was brilliant um and uh I mean it was it was absolutely nuts but it, it meant that I got to sing and bring a lot lots of other artists into it which is awesome so heaps of Aussie artists did it and I uh, had a mate in New York join me and lots of different people so that was really fun and then this week I've just gone I'm just really want to watch Netflix a lot, and so that's really all I've done. What was um? What are you watching? What was the first thing that you binged? There's an Israeli series called Fauda. It's about the Mossad and uh, all of this sort of Hamas stuff. It's so interesting. That was my that was my strong Israeli accent. That was great. Um, it was, it was strong. Really, that was good, it was yeah. it, it was. Very, really strong um yeah and then i watched a bit of the last dance the michael jordan thing i feel like good into that um and then uh there's a, a bbc series called normal people about sally it's sally rooney's book normal oh, yeah. people which is um yeah, yeah very good so a little bit of little bit of a lot of things guys you are so tired yeah we are <laughs> you know That's what okay. we need you know what we need we need the vocal cords of jp to get us up and about what's a song that you could just give us a little <laughs> yeah, bit like, I, come on, up. I know you we had sing, um sing us, we had sing pete murray me, earlier me, in the day who sung opportunity live on the show acoustically which was ridiculous and what and what did he sing asa come opportunity. You know, opportunity. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Was yeah. that up? You did, did, you oh, no, I think I did better days then. I, opportunity. Yeah. That's okay. What was that? Sorry, said it. How many hits did he have? Uh, there was a, a few. There was, um, yeah, there was better days. <laughs> what's, what's the other one? There's a bunch. I have it all on my Spotify. What was that? So Beautiful. Yeah, So, so Beautiful is a big one. That was great. But no, we don't um, want you oh, to do a Pete Murray song if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> I'll give you a bit of Phantom because, I mean, I threw yes. it out for John Foreman oh on his show. Um, okay. So I can give you a tiny bit. Um, okay, great. Can you hear that? Yeah. Got it. Nighttime shots heightens each sensation. Darkness serves and weeks imagination. Silently the sentence abandon their defenses. This kind of music is going to make you go to sleep, guys. Oh, this is good. No, I love it. I love it. There you go. That's all you're getting. Because no, that was great. We've got to get... Ah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's amazing. Love it. That's the problem. Yeah. Wow. It's all right. I'd prefer, do you want to? Do you have any nightclub? What else is no, news, Josh? <laughs> what else? What else is? What else is news? Um. Well, can we talk Trump. Oh, you can talk Trump. No. Well, I didn't mean news. News. What about? No. What was it? How about this? What, what about was Boris? The highlight it's a bit closer day? to home. Let's talk. Let's talk Boris. Well, he's just had a baby, Boris. Um, mm, yeah. So uh, I'm glad that he uh, he survived it because it actually oh. sounded for a second like it was not going to go so well for Boris. Mm. Like just, so just for weird a minute, if it, like a leader of a country mm. dying from a virus is really hectic, isn't it? Yeah, and his speech afterwards just. Um, he was so emotional and, and Boris doesn't, he gets passionate and takes a lot of pause between things. Um, <laughs> so that's sort of his emotion, but actually almost in tears. Um, it was, it was, yeah, I think he, he was um, in a, in a bit of a shit way for a while there. So I'm glad he's on the other end of it and he's, he's got a baby coming. They've sort of talking about maybe at the end of the week, I'll have a plan to deliver for us, but I think we're miles away from, from being where you guys are. I mean, we've still got like yeah. thousand cases a day, and you guys are like, what is it, like twenty cases a day? Not even ten cases a day. Yeah, not even. I mean, what's what is the um? You see how these things, like how Scomo in Australia is handling it, comes from the bushfires disaster for him, and his his uh his following or you know his uh, influence, and then you see it kind of shifted. At the moment, like I think there's people saying, "Come on, he's doing the best with what he's got. It's in a good place." For what, what are people? I know Boris is not liked by. He's a bit of a not as not as not not as not a Trump, but he is a polarizing sort of conservative over there. Are people starting to warm yeah. to him? Like, oh, he nearly died. Than, than Trump, I think. I mean, Trump is mm. bereft of any sort of genuine human. Um, ability to feel another person <laughs> so he uh, he only feels himself and i'm not entirely sure he's doing that very well but um so boris is human um look i think he's handled it well since he decided to lock things down the problem with what happened over here is they took too long to do it and they had sort of i think maybe false information about the possibility of a herd immunity and keep it going and then um yeah, I think they. I think they just did everything a few weeks too late, and and we know with this um, virus is that um, a, a few days is is a lot. So um, especially that that start when it just goes. Um, so a, a few weeks. Yeah, I think when they saw what was going on in Italy, uh, that being close enough for the UK, I think they probably should have acted a bit faster. But um, and and yeah, lives are lost and and all sorts of shit has hit the fan because of it but since lockdown he's, he's, he's been okay and i think people are, are pretty uh, are pretty okay with him generally like that's the consensus and uh, you know working in the arts not generally a conservative following uh, within the arts but most people have been like hey he's, he's dealt with it pretty good and, and rishi the chancellor treasurer i think people are really happy with him um i actually had a phone call with josh frydenberg um oh, really? a few weeks Did back you? 
I sent him an email because I was dumbfounded. Yeah, I was dumbfounded by by and, and really just appalled with with the fact that artists don't have access to JobKeeper, mm-hmm. um, even though they go job to job to job, and even though they were in jobs that now they, they can't be in because of virus. Um, and so he responded to my email. I was just like, "Can I give you a call?" Um, and so he gave me a call, and I respect the fact that he called. I thought it was very good of him to, to call. It's not every day that you just get a call from the government treasurer. Um, what did he say? It, but um, uh, he how does he answer he it? Like, of, how does it all sort of connect up? First of all, do you is it sort of a bit of oh, Josh, same mobile? name banter, like a bit of that gear, you know, just connecting uh, over that. Genuine, like, how are you? Like, how are you mm-hmm. actually dealing with it at an emotional level? Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, he wanted to make. I, I think I'm not entirely sure he knew that I was actually um, up with what what was going on, and, and that I have a political and social conscience. Um, mm-hmm. And he was sort of explained to me, you know, the difference between job seeker and job keeper, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I know what that is. Um, the fact is that in your governments, you lugged the arts. You got rid of the name the arts from any sort of form of government. You lugged it with with transport and, and regional communications and and whatnot. And so out. So the the the, um, the the bloke who has to look after the arts is is needs to look after the budgets of regional transport and communication, all sorts of stuff. He's not. You know, thinking about artists, particularly thinking about it as a whole bubble, and so you sort of devalued the arts there. And then when you said that artists can't get the job keeper, you devalued the arts again, and you um, and therefore artists feel like they're not um, cared for, they're not understood, they're not valued. And he said, "Well, you are valued, you are valued." And I said, "Well, that needs to, to occur in legislation as well." Um, and, and nothing shifted. I mean, our artists still can't get job keeper. Um, unless you're in a job that's been running for over 12 months. And as we know, that's pretty rare for, for artists. They go gig to gig to gig, um, contract to contract. I think if you're, if you're in Harry Potter and have been from the start, that musical, uh, that play, and then you've been going for longer than, than 12 months and so you can get it. But um, I think it's absolutely, when we look around the world at how other governments have dealt with the arts, um, they understand that the arts is what people go to at these times. You know, people need entertainment, people need help, people need, um, hope and a spirit and um, and they need to yeah, be entertained and so um, you know that was shown in the bushfires the firefight concert the artists were the first people to come out and say let's raise money for it and then it's a bit of a slap in the face when you go all right well when we need you please come but um, when when it's time to you know dip into our pockets for you um, it, it was I don't think it's been met the way it should and I offered up another alternative what they've done here is pretty simple they've Said if you're self-employed and you're an artist, show us your last three tax returns or an average of your last three tax returns, and um, and we'll we'll pay you X amount based on that. And I mean, every artist that's self-employed person in Australia should be able to do the same thing. I think it's madness that they can't. And um, um, have you heard of a bloke to? named Captain Tom over in the UK who's raised oh, a yeah, bunch Cap- of cash? Yeah, he's yeah raised thirty over thirty million pounds and. At 100 years old, he's got a number one single. <laughs> what is, I don't know a, this story. What, what is, uh, what's, what's the deal? So, Lottie, am I right? Lottie hasn't left yet in saying that he's been doing... 
He's been doing laps of his garden. 100 laps of his garden at 99 years old, and then he turned 100 on Thursday. He's doing laps of the garden, and people are donating um, as a result of that. And then, and then uh, Michael Ball, who's a big music theatre star over here, um, and, and him and, and a big ensemble of people have done a, uh, a version of You'll Never Walk Alone, um, which is uh, classic from uh, Carousel, the musical. Josh get that, but it's also a Liverpool anthem. And, um, and yeah, it's gone to number one. So at 100 years old, he got his first, he got a number one single. I mean, talking about viral stuff, I could imagine you getting into TikTok. Are you on TikTok? Okay. Josh, what mm-hmm. is it about me that you go, oh, I can imagine that you'd get into TikTok? Like, well, I feel like there was you've a got a cute, you've got a cute face. You, you could be, you've got sort of the face yeah, yeah. of a, of a sort of a 16 year old boy that I think would appeal to, <laughs> to the TikTokers. Honest, to be honest, J- JP, you'd be playing a 16-year-old as a 30... How old are you now? 34 or something? 32? <laughs> I can imagine you're timeless. you got that timeless piece <laughs> yeah. on and your head, And so you've got, head, like, mate. you've got the, you know, you can sing, you can do all that. So, like, why wouldn't you, um, you know, it's... On TikTok. Yeah. It's just so much fucking social media and I just... It's too much for me. I can't do it. Lottie wants to get into it. Um, she put our version of, if you go onto our Instagram on the world tour, we, you know, a lot of it was singing some like beautiful, you know, Italian arias and Spanish ballads and all sorts of stuff. When we got to Scotland, like, name me one band you know from Scotland. Give me one. Mm, sorry. The Proclaimers <laughs> is all I can think of. <laughs> So we sung 500 miles. It was we dressed up. We did crazy That's choreography, and that went to on, Lottie put that onto t- TikTok, her TikTok account that says Josh and Lottie's TikTok account. So apparently <laughs> I am on TikTok, but I can't bring myself to do a single video for it. I think it's all just it's too much. I feel like the, yeah. this is like stages, you know, like the you're going to get to the acceptance bit, and before you know it, you're, yeah, sort you're of getting right into it. I was yeah. I had a lot of pushback too. And then it's sort of like, you, um, yeah, so the Daily Talk Show has an account and we yeah. do duets with some of the gronks. So we do sort of yeah. get, get amongst it, but it's good tunes. Like if you want to know what's up and coming, what the kids are listening to, um, they, they dance to the songs. Cause I went onto Spotify and I went on yeah. to the charts and I realized I'm like, I know all these songs and it was because I've danced mm. to them on TikTok. But don't you, aren't you guys also, Mason, maybe not yourself because, you know, you couldn't be older than about 25, but... Um, 2020, yeah. He's 20. There you go. Aren't you at that point where you go, I can't listen to the radio anymore unless there's like, you know, unless I'm yes, listening to someone talk about yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Right. No, exactly. Literally. I'm listening to 774. I actually, I'm familiar Seven, with Josh Frydenberg four, only because of Talkback. That's it. I'm at that one pop tune, unless it's by an artist who is like sort of giving me a, a massive old heart wrenching ballad, like a Lewis Capaldi or Adele or Sam Smith or someone or Ed Sheeran. I don't know anything that's out there. Oh, so, so I wouldn't dance to it. What do you, what music do you listen? Like, how do you find music? Are you on Spotify or what do you do? Yeah, I I listen to a lot of old stuff. I did my workout today to um. The Hall of Notes. Yeah, nice. 
You can't go. You can't well, go yeah. past a bit of music. Are you are you listening for the art of the music? Because I don't think I listen for the art of the music. I'm just listening to rap and doof. But I feel like that's not you. Well, if it's <laughs> if it's rap, I don't think I go past. I think like Dre 2000 is my cutoff album. And <laughs> anything album, one that, of the best but... ever. Yeah. Oh, you know, some Eminem. You know that. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But some a lot of, of bangers, Eminem. Like you can put on any Eminem song and sort of get into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of tragedy. Yeah. We, we, like, we like that. I don't, I don't, I think at the time when you're like really dissing out your mum, I'm sort of like that's, I push back <laughs> at that. But like, I like happy rap. Like whatever happened to just like yeah. Jurassic 5, just, you know, just talking about the, you know, take it back to the concrete streets. <laughs> original beat. Happy rap. Like Will Smith. Like Will Smith clip on Family Guy. Yeah. I don't know if you know anyone. TJ, do you have any yeah, other questions? Or? <laughs> no, I love it. I, still, I mean, I still think the, the most annoying thing about you pushing back on the TikTok is that you're talented. We can't sing, Josh. Yeah. We can't mm. dance like you, but you can and you have an opportunity. But you're just not taking it. You know? like, just gonna leave you. Some it. sort of like, like, like deprivation that I'm, I'm giving to the society. Yeah, you're the face of privilege. Like you got this skill and you're not using it on TikTok. <laughs> you should be using it. Like I've got, I'm yeah. trying my hardest with no, no abilities, just having a crack. And here you are being above but TikTok. But people who are good are sort of probably frowned upon because it's like, stop fucking showing off your, nah, you know, nah, your tall nah. pop. Like, nah, dude. Down. Dancers, no? dancers are killing it. Like that is, if you can move, there is some people that are gymnasts. Like it is, it's all happening, mate. Just spend a bit more time there. I mean, we don't really care that much. We're just in the top yeah. loop right now. Between the, the gram and the Twitter for news and then Facebook for whatever Facebook for to add a whole nother thing. Like yeah. I also got to like eat and like sleep and, and like, you know, be active, mm. maybe read a book yeah. like this. Thing, oh, know? what are you reading? Are you reading books? Yeah. What do you got? What you got? What you got? Well, I'm the sort of normal people. Do we know this? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. Bree's reading that. Like, um, oh no, the last thing I read was The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, which is a classic book, but um, I tend to read either spiritual things or sort of like just everyday life, people and their stuff. And the thing about Eleanor, a lot of them, I can't, it's sort of like when I go to Water, um, Waterloo Station or Bakerloo Station, I can't sing this without a tune in my head. So anytime I go to Waterloo Station, Waterloo! <laughs> and Baker Lou, I always have Baker Street. Great. Job. I always have like every time I open this book. So I have that stuff in my head. And so I try and read it through the song in my head. Um, and that's why two weeks in, I'm only 46 pages in. <laughs> so you're a slow reader. No, I'm generally a, a medium pace reader. I wouldn't say I'm fast. Lottie's very fast. Um, but I'm just, um, 
I, I just have the song in my head and I can't get past it. But it's a bloody good book. So that's that's my. Um, it feels like a very my, um, book club book. I feel like um, like I've seen the cover everywhere. Yeah, it's it's definitely got that that vibe, you know. Well, it's winner of the British Book of the Year, two million copies sold. Yeah. Well done, Gail. Gail Honeyman. It's a good effort. Well, yeah. I mean, if you had two million, would you ever write a book? Copies, do you think? Pardon? Would you ever write a book? Do you think? What would I write about, Josh? Let's be honest. You just, I don't know. I get like, I just, I just romanticize, you know, this, this existence, but then you do talk about, you know, not talking until midday and then just like a, a light exercise. And then, yeah, maybe, maybe there isn't sort of, you know, the, the um, romantic side. There, there, well, there isn't, there isn't. I mean, my, my biggest joy come from, you know, being out on stage, you know, you know, and it, sometimes it takes, 21 hours of you know going inward so that i can spend three hours going outwards you know so um it's pretty it, epic it's not- like it's all it's like an athlete you're an you're an athlete really like at, at that point like being able to um have that amount of discipline do you do you crave discipline uh yeah yeah i i, I i'm i'm a stickler for that, for that and like you know yeah I mean, haven't shut up about it since we got on the air, but Lottie will attest to the fact that I, like, I do my scales every day and even in lockdown, I'm, you know, having, going back, having singing lessons with my coach and working on things and, mm. um, you know, it's, um, it is a discipline. I, I think, you know, if you're an, if you're an artist who gigs once or once a month or every, every few months or whatever, you know, you might, might not do, do it all the time and you can whip it out and, Come come to it and leave it, and, and there's a bit more sort of um, simplicity in it. But if you're doing it eight times a week, there's no way you can do it without having like intense structure and um, and discipline and, and that sort of athlete's mentality. Um, but the mm-hmm. difference is that uh, for athletes, I think that that sort of maybe I'm wrong, but like they that push that push 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 sort of tunnel vision focus can really work. I think as an artist, it can only work so mm. far. At some point, you actually have to give in to your heart and your soul and a really sort of deep emotional place to deliver a performance that enables people to feel like you need to go to a place where you feel deeply in order for 1,500 or 15,000 or 150,000 people to feel as well. Um, so that's where it's sort of different. It requires, I think, both disciplines. Um, so, yeah. It's so impressive. I just think like um, it's so good seeing yeah seeing it all unfold. From remember when we we're in New York City and we we're in Washington Square Park. I know. How, remember you guys were like you had slept. You were you were you were <laughs> vivacious. Had an energy about you. You had a sort of life. We we're in New York, thought. baby. Now we're Prana. New York. was moving. <laughs> now you're like, yeah. just like as Mason does a little bit of a. Uh, I just cannot believe you guys are doing this. I'm so impressed, but I'm also baffled about the madness of it. Like what yeah, inspired yeah. you guys to go to the 24 hour? I think it just came from, because we, we, um, it's just a nice round number and being in, being in ISO as well, I guess it's just like, it's like, why not? You know, like, why do we do 
Some people uh, walk marathons. Like um, we're going to chat to um, our, our mate Tom in Vienna who's just walked a marathon while we've been doing the show. People do dumb shit, you know. Uh, yeah, Tom's, Tom's wasted his whole day. We've wasted our whole day. You've wasted an hour. Like we all do dumb shit, yeah, time, yeah. you know. But we appreciate it. We have fun. Did you do a forty-hour famine when you were when you were growing up? Nah, like it was definitely the thing nah. with the forty-hour famine. Is it like because I we've spoken about me eat. being a fat kid and stuff? No, no. But I um I I remember they you were very cool. You're a beautiful man, JJ. Oh, I appreciate it. But no, I think um. Uh, I pushed back on it a little bit because I was worried that I would get very obsessed with the, the whole thing. But um, did you ever do it? Uh, no, but in a time in my life where I cared um, more about my abs than my vocal cords, I definitely did a lot of fasting, um, mm. like a lot of that intermittent fasting and all, all that stuff. Mm. Um, and um, it was an experience. It, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't necessarily happy, but it worked. Um, so, yeah, I don't, um, I, I, yeah, if, if it's for you, it's for you. But, I, like, I like food, like yeah, eating. So, I wouldn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, don't, I mean, the 40-hour famines for a great cause. Um, I do it for something like that, but, but not for some ego trip. On 24, yeah. She's, yeah. this is the sixth time we spoke about her. Favourite series of all time, Lottie? Series 24. Who, who's the man? <laughs> Jack Bauer. Love of. Oh, yeah. I've never seen it. Bauer, yeah. love of my life. I'm fucking chopped liver here, boys. <laughs> oh, it's I got told. Um, it's so Jules Lum was telling me that back in the day, TV series weren't popular for actors to do. It was sort of frowned upon. You were cinema, mm. not TV. You. And then Jack Bauer on 24 became the person that sort of was like, oh my God, you can have a successful acting career as a TV star now in these big series. And it's sort of, look at it now. Like how big are some of these actors just from TV series? So cool. Well, I want to put it out there that Alan Fletcher, Dr. Carl was way before Jack Bauer. (laughs) Dr. Dr. Carl up on Neighbours for... 25 plus years so he was way before jack bauer and and still there going strong so prop to alan <laughs> fletcher but that yeah. that sort of idea of like the the series i think 24 was like one of the before like prison break and all those other awesome ones um i think that was yeah. the was it an hbo or who, who did but it was certainly one that everyone like watched yeah. And what a great concept. Yeah. It's like a day in the life of and, and in absolute real time, you know, 24 hours. Yeah. To, Simple yeah. concept. To stop the bomb, to do something like that. Well, yeah. yeah, it was always stopping the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, we've got to go because um, we've currently got Tom who's got 10% battery and um, we need to get him on the call because he's just literally walked a half, uh, sorry, a marathon in Vienna. 42, so 42K. 42K. Yeah. Thank you so much, mate. Wow. Sending you lots of love and um, look love forward. Everybody. Thanks, mate. Have a good Bye one, later, mate. Brad Blanks is in the building. <laughs> oh, here he is. Brad Blanks. Hey, fellas. Jeez, you're looking fresh. You look good. 
<laughs> you got to pump us up now. We're, we're having some. We're having some ma- uh, Macca's breakfast. We've got Macca's. Tommy, I've hit my lethargic zone too. This is usually when I'm having my lockdown nap, two p.m. So I've, I've got to fire myself up. I'm having a cup of tea. Um, but well done. What a what a performance you guys have put on. What a show. Um, mm-hmm. The Gronks are happy out there in the world. You know, the social media is a buzz of this uh, crazy group of um, people that have created this, and that's you guys. So well done. Uh, what have you hey, done today, you. Brad? What have you done last uh, twenty four hours? What's your last yeah, d- twenty? Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah twenty four hours. Good, good. That's good. Uh, you know, nice dinner with the family. I decided to drink last night, so had a few beers. Kid, uh, Mrs. went to bed early, and I stayed up watching TV. Actually, my ten year old son, I watched Moneyball with him. I loved that movie with uh, Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, based on the great yeah. book Moneyball. So I tried to teach my kid the the value of uh, of life. Is it a uh, book? Through, I couldn't tell. Um, whether you're joking or not. It was a book. Is it a good book? No, it's it a, a good... serious. Yeah, great book. F- phenomenal oh, okay. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gave me my love for baseball. So, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Really good. Uh, Michael Lewis wrote it. You Actually, know, the, you know, the, the big short. And, um, good book. You should all Josh, read it. Josh, you would like that. I actually yeah. think you'd like the yeah. the film itself. Um, yeah. And then the big short. The big short's awesome. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, uh, uh, Moneyball... I had not watched it for nine years and, and then watched it last night and it doesn't really end. Like it, there's no real ending. It's just <laughs> nice. It just sort of finishes gently, you know, Brad Pitt walking around yeah. and it, it's, it's good. Good film. Yeah. Josh, you like, that's and what you love can do when you got Brad Pitt in a film, just have him walking around, just <laughs> yeah. looking like Brad Pitt <laughs> and then just finish the yeah, film. He doesn't let, everyone's like, that's, that's right. a good film. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great on film. the base on the baseball thing, Brad. Like, have, have you always been a Yankees fan? Uh, look, Yankees. Being a Yankees fan, you become a front runner, right? Uh, so, look, I, I live in New York, and I, I have love for the Yankees, but I always want to do the, see the Mets do well. I have a lot mm-hmm. of friends that are Mets fan. I'm a Western Bulldogs fan in in Melbourne, so I'm probably a bit more, a bit more Mets fan base um, mm-hmm. that I that I'm that I'm a part of. Um, so that but, Yankees look, hat then, that's like slightly controversial then? Fashion, controversial. No, look, I, I, I love the, when you go to Yankee Stadium and you watch the, the Yankees, you know you're watching something that's, that, that's pristine, a great product they put out mm-hmm. there. And it's, it's a, I mean, it's legendary to be out there. So, um, I, but I'm a little bit, you know, a little toe in the Mets camp, you know, support Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, he loves the Mets. Yeah, um, yeah. They actually asked him. Uh, TMZ asked Jerry Seinfeld a few about a month ago, before, before no, probably two months ago now, before lockdown. They said, "Jerry, why don't you buy the Mets? We need someone like you running the Mets, a lifelong fan." And Jerry came out with this great, great quote: "Why would you buy a baseball team? Because really, the pinnacle of owning a baseball team, the pinnacle of, of a feeling, not necessarily owning it, is to sit in a seat, have a beer." eat a hot dog and watch baseball. Nothing can be better than that. And, and, and it was yeah. a beautiful Seinfeldian line. He's <laughs> yeah. so true. There's nothing more pure than just sitting there. Why would you want to own it and have the pressures of yeah. selling hot dogs and selling beers and getting attendance and that? But you just sit there, relax, drink a beer and eat a hot dog and watch America's pastime. And definitely. Yeah, it is so true. Hey, um, just one thing before my mind... Um, gets the better of me <laughs> uh, just after you were on brad um 20 something out 20 hours ago uh 
<laughs> Cobram Van Song. We have someone who um, works with your dad, I think. Is this your right. dad's business? Yeah, knows about it. Yes. Yep. Yeah, well, Peter Ennell's Cobram Caravans. Can you sing the that's song the, because yeah. that's what he requested? Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. This is what I used to sing at parties in the uh, the Murray Murray Goulburn Valley region of Northern Victoria, um, and people thought I was the actual person that sang it on the radio. So this <laughs> commercial would go through all country Victoria and southern New South Wales on all the radio stations, and I'll, I'll, I'll kick off. All right. Well, Peter Reynolds, he's your man. He's from Carbram Caravans. He'll do it right for you. Brand new, second hand, he'll do the best deal that he can. It's Peter Reynolds, Carbram Caravans. Oh, yes, indeed. Dude, there you go. that was that <laughs> was running when I was in Shepparton. That ad was I running was, in yes. Uh, yes. 20, <laughs> that 2014, was... 15. No shit. As soon as you start that, that <laughs> caravan, oh, man, that brought back memories. Yeah, the memories. That was... <laughs> That was um that was yeah. from um Tim. His dad works for Peter, so. Oh right, and Peter's oh, your Tim, dad. And Peter's your right. dad, Brad. Yeah, Peter. Peter's my dad. Yeah, he's uh he's cl clicking on now. He's about seventy six years of age, still going strong. Uh, the, the the whole coronavirus has missed him because he can't because he's had such a wonderful business where people have always walked in. People always want to see a caravan. Caravans mm. are interesting to mm. people that are into them, and people that are tickling into the caravan business love going there. And it's, it's a lot of gadgets in a caravan. Yeah, a lot of you know space uh, maximization. Uh, so a lot of cup holders. He, he yeah, your cup holders. Um, yeah. It was a revelation when microwaves got inserted into them. Oh, that's that was cool. Back in the late eighties. Yeah, um, but uh, uh, Dad just couldn't believe that no one was walking into his business. I'm like, Dad, we're on a global lockdown. He goes, Yeah, but people still need caravans. I'm like, Dad, no. <laughs> This is this is bad. This is lockdown. And then a week later, he went, "Oh yeah, I think I've, I've figured it out now, son. Yes, you're right. They, they, this is pretty serious." I said, "Dad, just just eat some noodles. Eat noodle soup. Ring your accountant. Make sure everything's fine because when this gets lifted, yeah. your business is going to be the Bubba Gump of uh, travel and leisure. Get ready. <laughs> yeah. um, Hold Brad, on to your hat. Um, the um, the McMuffin." Uh, that I'm just uh, about to eat got me thinking. What is your favourite fast food in the US? Just while I eat. Uh, look, look, I've tried to watch what I eat lately, you know, over the last few years. But I'm a, I, so that means I can tackle the Chipotle, the chip, Chipotle, Chipotle burrito. Mm -hmm. That's probably the fastest food, and that you think is healthy. Look, I, I'm a Macca's guy, born and bred. I'd smash that Shepherd and McDonald. I lived in Cobram, which is 45-minute drive north of Shepherd. So I grew up there, and yeah. we'd always pull into the Shep McDonald's that Tommy would know. Um, and, and sorry, and we, which I would one? Buy five. When I was oh, yeah, they opened two. When I was living, right. the, the what? Yeah, the the there uh, was, south there side was, one. The one there was okay. Yeah, yeah, Josh, you've been to that one. But at one point, there was I think four in Shepherd. I didn't know that, right? Mate, there was well, one, at the, one at the plaza, one north end. Oh, yeah, there was four. One at the plaza, one north end, one south end, and then one in the mall. Mate, they've got a couple they of, they've got fucking 40,000 people there. They don't need four Maccas. No, no, no. <laughs> it was such a revelation in like at 1982 or 83 to get a McDonald's and Shepherd, and, and it was just unbelievable. And I'd get five cheeseburgers at a time. And just smash them. So I love my Maccas, and I've even been, and I've, I essentially had three years off McDonald's to try and you know uh, cut my weight. 
And I'm going to make a comeback after this. COVID <laughs> will get me back on the McDonald's bandwagon because I, I, I deserve it. There's so many options, though, isn't there? Like, I feel like there's, um, in, in regards to fast food in the US, um, what do you think about... Wendy's put out a good product. Wendy's yeah. is good. Larry, yeah, legit, um, in the Wendy YouTube got... comments actually mentions Wendy's, yeah. Yeah, they, they look healthier. Their lettuce looks healthier and they do mm -hmm. a nice salad and that sort of stuff. And their shops are, if you get a good shop, they, they're quite nice. They have flowers on the table and sort of the more suburban ones. Uh, and what else have we got? We'll go to the McDonald's, which I love. Chick-fil-A. Are there any Chick-fil-A's in Chick-fil-A's huge. Oh, um, yes, yes. It's uh, on the corner of uh, 6th Ave uh, Avenue and 39th Street. And when it opened, lines went around the corner. And they've mm. opened a couple more in the Midtown area. Huge, just, yeah, massive. And they, they took a long time to come to New York. They were more of a southern um, southern fast food. And they, their chicken is so good. And you get chicken in pita and chicken buns. And, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, fantastic. And you'll get, you'll get lost in there, the Chick-fil-A place. But um, that's yeah, good. Good, good. Do you like Nando's? I keep thinking you're frozen, Josh, with the way you're holding that. Because I'm moving. Yeah, sure. yeah, I know. Look Sorry at that. about it's that. Just... Nando's. Do you like Nando's, yeah, Nando's in Australia? Yeah, Nando's. I, I, when I lived in London, I hit Nando's. They're the one in Earl's Court. That's, mm -hmm. yeah, got, that's about 97, 98, 99. Um, and I don't think I partook when I went back to Australia and that. The, what did I eat? I ate that, a lot of that, and someone will help online. When I, I moved back from London to North Bondi and I hit the, the chicken place in North oh, Bondi yeah. there. Um, what's it called? No, no, no! It's not. It's not the one you're thinking of, Josh. It was. It's gone now. It was in North Bondi. Oh, really? It's Charlie's. Yeah. It was like, what was it called? Fuck! Isn't the one Maybe that Pete? Thinking about this because in turn Pete's got the deal with. Or no, it's the no, one no, that no, no, and no, Fordham. No. What's that this called? This is. It was North Bondi. It, they Char used to do Charlie's, burgers. No? Nah, it wasn't Char Grilled. It's. It was a little chicken shop you up know, in North Bondi. Yeah. It's gone. Oh, it was go very crazy sad. Oh yeah, it was so it's sad funny. I'd gone. always be in there, and, and and Will Anderson would be in there at the same time, ordering his chicken dishes when I was in there. That's that, that's two thousand when I moved back and lived lived there. Smash that chicken joint! Oh, it's delicious. Now I've never had what Papa you John's. Like in Bondi. I go on to yeah. So what was I, I like in to Bondi? Get, um, the big the, the big the big six foot seven Aussie bloke. Just <laughs> did you own yeah. it? Well, Were you training down no, there? No, 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 <laughs> trendy area. I reckon I got there at a pretty good period. It was in that flux stage where it was just about the boom. And and I'm going off. I left there in April 2001 and a lot of friends stayed, you know, stayed, were still in there for 01 and they just said it just zoomed off, you know, 01, 02, 03. So I was in there in this the Sydney Olympics era and uh, – it was good. I could feel those pull on the. Yeah, you know, we we'd go to the Beach Road Hotel every Wednesday night, and you know, smash uh, chicken chicken schnitzels out the back there, and then into the bar, and then upstairs. It was kind of like um, and I'd come from London and come from Europe and the backpacker scene, so it was like just stepping straight back into that scene. It was it was because you're out there, you know, everyone's Swedish, English, South African. It was just it was going off, and I'm like I'm like I was like a foreigner in my own country. It was it was pretty mm. good fun. How are you as a, uh, a host? Like we, we got to see your um, hospitality uh, when we're in New York for the short short period. For those longer trips, if you have family coming over to the States, where do you, and you have a, have a few days, what do you do? Uh, well, 
first, what would happen in, so I got to America in uh, October 01 and I slept on friends' couches and whatever. And eventually I got my own place in May mm-hmm. 2002 and I got a hotel room. It was a trade mm-hmm. deal through the radio station. I think I've told you guys about that. The Hotel Pennsylvania across, across the road from Madison Square Garden. And I lived in there for six and a half years. And, and, and so I had my bed made every day, which was <laughs> exceptional. But in that time of living there, and I had a suite. I had this, I had like my own little room with a door that opened on this massive suite that would overlook Macy's. And um, in that suite, I got like four rollout beds and I'd put them in there. And I, I had about 150 people come through and stay with me in that time. Now, the reason I had people stay with me, even <laughs> I'd get it like, let's just say, you know, Josh and Tommy, you'd go to me, oh, Brad, you know, um, we're not coming over on this trip, but Mr. 97's coming over. Would you like to yeah. uh, catch up with him for a beer? And yeah. Mr. 97 would come over. We'd get on the beers in the first night, nothing crazy. And he'd go, yeah, I'm sleeping in this hostel down the street. And I'd be like, oh, Mr. 97, come on. You're staying <laughs> with me now, buddy. Here you go. So he'd come in and move into the, the spare room on the fold-out bed. And that is how I sort of collected people staying with me. Now, the, one of the reasons I did it is that um, I'd, I'd love to have mix with Mr. 97, but I didn't need to have to have repetitive meetups with people I didn't really know. <laughs> I could just see them over a quick coffee after my morning radio show. I was so busy in the O's. I was working you know, pretty much 24-7. You know how these jobs are, you know, radio jobs. You're always on the hunt and you're always out there having a crack. And, and I couldn't really just have social three-hour sessions on a Tuesday night. Uh, but I still wanted the social aspect of people and seeing people. So they just stay in my uh, spare room. And yeah, 150 people came through. I actually had a, um, I, I had a, you know, Apex, the, the under forties club, the Australian, it's a global club and uh-huh. they do working bees. You know, my dad was in Apex you know, when I was growing up and um, they had an Apex reunion in eight, eight guys and uh, eight, and they were all like 65 year olds and they all came and stayed in my fold out beds. Cause you know, it was my, my dad, my uncle, uh, he's their friends and, um, yeah, and geez, they, they, they drank a lot. They drank till about bloody 4am every, every night. And I was getting up at 4.30 going to the radio station. These guys were wild, but, but I enjoyed that hospitality side of it, but it was a little bit selfish. It's just, yeah. Josh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't give too much time and socially cause I was you know, still had the girlfriend had to keep her. So happy. does that habit die then when you have a family, you, you're not having Gronk yes. State, your joint now, are you? No, no, no. That's yes. The habits got, and I'm a big now. People hit me up when you come to New York. I'd love to have a beer, um, mm. but I'm a massive five p.m. to seven p.m. beer yeah. guy. That I, I just do the happy hours, and then uh-huh. you know, no one, no one gets hurt. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> Isn't that beer? Beers? But, um, that's good. <laughs> to you. Uh, Tom, how many beers from five to seven? What do you, what do you get in? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I stick to the light beer, but that doesn't mean light and alcohol. You've, you've had a discussion before. It's about four and a half percent. I'm probably six, six beers. And I reckon you can corner <laughs> life's big issues when you meet some in that time. You know, when there's not a, when it's not a transactional meeting, when it's just a pure meetup with a stranger, you, you can get to the root of things pretty quickly. It's a good, good chat, actually. It's good. good, good, good <laughs> I mean, that's almost know? at at the. That's two beers. You need to have two beers, sort of almost do a double round for yourself when you're going up or for you. Yeah. And like, it's almost getting four yeah. beers in a round. Yeah, that's right. Yo, um, did you guys go to McSorley's? Did, did that ring a, does that ring a bell? No, 
Look, I think it's 97. You're hot on the internet there. Yeah. (laughs) McSorley's. Yeah. Look that up. We'll have to do that next time. And and, and you only spooked me then because of the four. When you buy a beer there, you can only order light or dark. And when you order one, I have one beer and the gruff Irish waiter will say light or dark. And you go, light. And then you'll get two. And then you'll go to the waiter. Hold on, I only ordered one. He goes, we serve two per round, per person, per order here. Uh, and it's it's awesome. And it's it's very much like the soup Nazi of uh, beer uh, Irish waiters. The guy is very... Um, but I've had many a great times in there. And we'll go there and we come back. Sawdust on the floor. They say it's you know, the second oldest. Oh, I feel like you told us about this. I think you wanted to take yeah. us there, but we didn't, we didn't have... Yeah. Um, we didn't have time. The sawdust on the floor yeah, definitely a rings a bell. Yeah. Oh, God. Now, on your trip again, yeah, because you put out such great content and people should be able to – can they Google on your site or search on your site for New York interviews? Because I saw you interviewed Eddie Buckingham, you know, a good yeah. friend of mine of Chinese tuxedo fame. Uh, you know, it was fantastic. And you ran into Chase Jarvis on a street mm-hmm. corner. Is, it, is that – Yeah, we did. How did that happen? It was the day after. It was the day of uh, interviewing Seth, Seth Godin, and we were walking along near the um, the the Flatiron Building, and uh, yep. there was a guy with noise cancelling headphones. And I said to TJ, "I'm like, oh, that's Chase Jarvis," and um, mm-hmm. and I sort of kept walking. I'm like, "Oh, should we should we stop?" TJ's like, "Oh yeah, I'll ask him," and so. Um, yeah. TJ like bravely because he was wearing Bose noise cancelling headphones on a call and just sort of um, tapped him and said, oh, hey, Chase. Yeah, I don't was know he off the call? He must have like... He, he, he was, was about to was go on a call? He was making calls on a corner and he just finished one and I got him as he mm. got off. And I was like, mate, Chase, mate, big fan. A couple of blokes <laughs> from Aussie. We're about to do a podcast. I just, I just sold it to him. He's a creative dude though. He yeah. gets it. He's like... Sweet. Let yeah. me just make this call and I'll jump in. I said, jump in when you can. I'm doing it. And then yeah. you just came it was over. Re- it was really interesting because I just telling that story, I wouldn't have known how he would be off. He's really good on camera when he's on, but you kind of got him in an awkward moment and he was very, and, and I could sense that he enjoyed it when, when I listened to that, mm. that interview. He enjoyed coming on with you guys. And uh, I think it's it the good. thrill of being in New York. I, I could imagine, like, he's not from New York. I think he's from Seattle or something like that. And it's like being in New York, having two random gronks from Australia come up. And I think that that was part of it, which I'm sure that um, you do within it. It's like you want to try and slip in the fact that you know who they are. Like, like you're trying to give them those little hints that they're like, um, that you follow them and all that sort of thing. So. Yeah, it was um, on that day. Um, how, how did it work? So you went, you, you got the call up to interview mm-hmm. Seth Godin, and he's up mm-hmm. in Tarrytown. Is that he's is that in like, uh, Hastings on oh. Hudson on oh, ha- Hastings on Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. Can you talk me through how? So you guys are on the train. I mean, this is yeah. this is a huge get, right? Mm-hmm. It, obviously, you know, yeah. To interview him, are you nervous on that train journey as you're going up? Uh, you know, how are you feeling? Have you are you prepping, or, or what's your mindset? How do you feel? It was too? weird. It was, f- we got up at four, th- we got up like some ridiculous hour because we're like, mm. we can't miss this. We were in, uh, where were we? Soho, no, Soho, Little Italy or um, what's the uh, the Lombardi's Pizza? We're just like across the road from there. That's where we're staying. And then we 
jumped on the subway and went to Grand Central Station. So it's it's completely dark still. And so then we got on that train that takes you out of Manhattan and it was dark. And so we didn't really get to experience a sort of, you know, the the view that we got on the way back was, you know, seeing school buses, Mm -hmm. like a whole like yellow field of those school buses and the beautiful Hudson River. We didn't experience that on the way there. So it was very like, I think we were pretty quiet. Mm. It was like the first time, first night in New York, second night in New York, or first night. Yeah, and um, um, and so yeah, yeah, we we we've done all that planning. Yeah, we're definitely nervy though. Mm. But the um, the train was really nice. It was almost like the equivalent of like a V line train or something you'd have in Victoria. I I was nervous. I was nervous for you, Josh. But you, you get there, but you're, so is it darkness when you get to his town? And then no, the, the light was coming. Now that the light was coming up, and so we um, we ended up uh, going to a diner, and uh, there was a really uh, lovely lady from Yonkers. It's Yonkers, yeah. Just, Misty. Just, what was her name? Misty. Yeah, I think maybe it was Misty. It was. Misty from Yonkers, and she was um, mm. you know, been working there for twenty years or whatever. And um, we were probably 200 metres away from Seth Godin's um, office. And so we were like, oh, we are, like, she's like, oh, what are you doing? She thought it was so cool. That there was a couple of Aussies um, at the diner. And uh, she said, you know, what are you doing? He said, oh, we're, we're um, interviewing Seth Godin. And she's like, oh, no, I don't, don't know who that is. And we're like, what? And then so we show a photo. I'm like, surely you've seen him around. She's like, oh, he sort of looks familiar, but... You get the sense that Seth, I mean, he's he's um he's vegan or vegan. He's like I don't know if the, it was a pretty like classic diner experience, and I feel like I don't I don't know if I could imagine Seth potentially going to that no. diner. So all right, so when it when your time comes, you're you ten minutes early, and you go up to the his office, or how does that? I think we must have been Mate, what forty spent, minutes um, or something, or at least an oh, hour probably. Oh yeah, no, yeah, we were like an hour and a half early to mm. to Hudson on Hastings, but then we spent time in the diner, um, drank way too much coffee, needed to piss too much, and then but we went to the supermarket, and then we were classic. Like imagine if he came down, we were untangling XLR cords at the mm-hmm. bottom of his <laughs> at his office, yeah. like downstairs, just out the front. Imagine if he rocked up and was like, uh, "Do you know guys. what? Actually, it reminds me. Walking in reminded me of." Um, the Willy Wonka scene where Charlie uh, goes into his office at the end. And um, I think he's like, he does that whole scene where he's angry, or whatever, but it's just quiet. And he's sort of like walking through the office and it's because we walked in and um, what's his son name? Is it Mo? He's um, Mo. 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 Yeah. Such a nice guy. Um, Seth's son, who's a, like a web developer or whatever. And he was, he, he, um, introduced himself like we sort of knocked on the door sort of half open and um we uh yeah we walked in and we introduced ourselves or whatever he said oh dad's just on a uh a call with um dropbox or like he was on a call or whatever (laughs) when when um seth came out he said ah dropbox i'm having like i'm having troubles with my dropbox i'm like i'm speaking to the product (laughs) manager of dropbox i'm trying to get them to fix my dropbox he was like um not happy about the dropbox it's great yeah Yeah. do you want a cup of tea do you want something? Yeah, do you want a drink? He, and then, and so we Josh, ask you. You always do the, then, you do the polite thing and and decline. You're like, ah, oh, fussy. I'm like, yeah. mate, I'll have, I'll have a tea. But then yeah. he got into it. 
Yeah. What do you want? He, you had, um, you he, had a nu- he has all prime numbers or whatever, like mugs oh, with prime right. numbers. Um, mm. He had a rubber duck <laughs> just sort of sitting there and just like just shit yep. everywhere. Like it's, he's not a minimalist. He's got <laughs> so much stuff, just like oh, wow. stocks, yeah. like so yes. much, so many pr- books that he's obviously like hasn't gotten rid of all the stock and it's just like piles of paper. And I, um, uh, I gave him the handheld mic. He's like, oh, my shoulder, I can't hold the microphone. I've got a bad shoulder. Wow. And so he, um, right. he took... <laughs> a mic stand that was designed for like a desk mic and put like a vocal mic in it. And I was just like, I said something like, um, oh, I need to get, uh, I will taking photos or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'll avoid that. Uh, the mics that, that mic set up. And I remember he gave pushback cause he's like, if it works, it works. Like he's, he's the type of guy that yeah. he, he had his bathroom that he'd converted into a voiceover booth. So you think of the wow. most, uh, echoey, you know, the worst room for reverb would be a bathroom. Yeah. And then he's taken his shower and padded the whole thing. But it's just like janky, like cables everywhere. Just like, you know, a thousand USB. Ca- like you, you would have every sort of cable. It's it's almost like a mad scientist. And yet he's so clean cut and how he talks mm. and how he presents. Mm. It It's totally opposite of what you'd think Seth Godin would. That's... yeah. That's good insight. Good, good job. That's great. Well, Amazing. He's, he's and, a and man. Then, he's a man of the mind, right? Like it's his, it's his, inter, it's his mind that is his superpower. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, and and when you open up, turn the mics on, and go, is he? Do you feel that he wants to help you in in your questions? Was he kind and generous, mm. or did you have to be? Oh. Did you feel you had to be on point? Oh no, he was so generous. Oh, good. So generous. Wow. I mean, the, I think the the most amazing people to interview, and I'm sure you know, are the ones when you ask a dumb question, they give you the best fucking answer. And he's yeah. that guy. You could ask him anything. Yeah. And he will just right. find the nugget. And it's like, I didn't even ask a yeah. good question. You've just answered something <laughs> profound. <laughs> you know, yeah. but he just, I think uh, he does it, that work and that's, that's his generosity, right? Mm-hmm. That's where it lies. Right. What was your pitch to him, though, to get the interview? How about like, I read it? I could read it to you if you want. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. That's but, a great idea. idea. But, it's, but it's, it's fascinating, right? Because, you know, he's beloved by, you know, marketers and people and, you know, and, and people, ambitious people, people, people wanting to get ahead and, and also very successful people idolise him. So he's this interesting guy and you guys got on a train, set it up, Went up there and and got on a plane first. Interview got on a plane. Yeah, yeah. plane it's we don't really good. <laughs> yeah, no, no really so, impressive. Yeah, that yeah, you, you got that interview. Yeah. So that would have been what? So that was November twenty eighteen. Oh, sorry, no, was September. it? Yeah, tw- was October. No, it wasn't September. Was it? Maybe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I was flew out September. on. I flew out on Grand Final day. Septem- Jeez, late September. Good, Brad. How do you That's remember right. that? Yeah. No, Mate, Brad's a weird on animal. You are you reference shit like, like an always like with a year. autism type of thing like he really like that <laughs> maybe 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 we seriously yeah like I don't know I don't know I love dates I, I like dates so if I said the fourteenth of September nineteen ninety the fourteenth of September nineteen ninety would you remember my birthday uh was it your birthday then you were born then that was your Four, birthday was it fourteenth of September nineteen ninety right for, I'll remember that now yeah yeah I'll remember it now um I used to be able to. Yeah, 
20 years ago, I can tell you what I was that day, but, but now there's been so much gone through. I know where I'm meant to be every single, this moment, I'm meant to be, for the last 18 years, I'm at Churchill Downs Racecourse in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, for the Kentucky Derby. And that's called off this year, obviously. And um, this is where I am at this moment every day, which is an odd uh, that, I managed, that I've managed to keep my marriage alive because it's my wife's birthday today as well. So, um, oh, you animal. Yeah, that's kind of okay, here we go. <laughs> so that's a, whole, that's a whole other story, Tommy. Thank you. <laughs> here we go. You ready? So this was the... Um, so this email was sent the 24th of July, 2018, um, to Seth Godin. Hi, Seth. A couple of months ago, you were nice enough to write a sentence describing Peter Shepard, which I used to intro him uh, when he was a guest on our podcast. So basically, when we knew we had Pete on, we said, Seth, like a very short message, Seth, we've got Pete Shepard on. Um do you have anything nice? Like, is there something nice that you would say about him that we can sort of quote before the show? He's nice enough to do that, which is cool. Was something along the lines of, if I was uh, in the middle of the ocean, uh, I would I would want Pete there with the boat or something. Anyway, uh, so this is uh, what I said. Uh, I've now done 135 episodes of the Daily Talk Show with my mate Tommy. We started the show to ship regularly and provide company for ourselves and our friends who work for themselves. We've managed to create a small listenership of diverse people, full-time bloggers, train drivers, accountants, and filmmakers. We'll be in New York City in the first week of October. If you're available and interested, it would be our pleasure to have you on our show. One hour or 45 minutes, a quick portable audio setup. We chat about self-starting, about Alt-MBA, about ambition and friendship. Please let me know if you're willing to be up uh, on the podcast. I completely understand if you're too busy or if it doesn't make sense from your end. Thanks for everything you do. So that was the first one. What oh, do we think? That is beautiful. Oh my goodness. That oh, that's a layup. That's great. like, that's just, yeah. Oh, it's just like wrapping, putting a bow on it, which is what it's all about. Just, I mean, there's a lesson in that email. Just wonderful. So, um, wonderful. so that was on, so he, I sent that on the 24th of July. Yep. Brie and I would have been traveling in Italy at the time. Um, Brie and so we had Positano. Yeah. So that was when it all, Positano. um, that's when we found out. Yeah. And so the, Positano. this was, um, uh, so we, we weren't playing, like we, we hadn't actually locked in that we were going to New York. That wasn't sold in. TJ still had to tell Amy or ask Amy, hey, this is this is something we want to do. So it was yeah. very early days. We had no intention. Yeah. But if we got Seth, we were planning on doing it. So he writes, yeah, writes yeah. back on the 31st after I sent the first one on the, on the uh, 24th. He says, thanks, Josh. I appreciate the note and sorry for the delay. Are you hoping for audio only? That's probably easier remote. Can you point me to the podcast past episodes? And I said, uh, on the 31st of July, let's see how long. So I took three hours to write back to him. I said, uh, thanks so much for the response, Seth. Yes, audio only. Uh, if you would be more comfortable doing it remote, I completely understand and will make that work. From a conversation dynamic point of view, we do prefer in person as being in, in the same room has a different energy. We can make either happen at our end. If it was in person, I can assure you that would be quick and respectful of your time. No interest in hustling or as we say in Australia, taking the piss. Here's a link to the episode we did with Peter Shepard and our chat with Jordan Evans. She also has done Alt-MBA. 
Okay. Be traveling for the next couple of months. So my co-host Tommy and I are doing the show remote. We'll be meeting up in New York City and Los Angeles in October to do the podcast from there. So no, Tommy, my co-host, and I absolutely loved your conversation with James Altucher. Your words around small audiences and the intimacy of spoken voice really resonated with us and it completely aligned with our vision of the Daily Talk Show. Thanks so much for getting back to me, Seth, Josh. Um, and so then he wrote back, enjoyed the episode with Peter. And thanks for not posting my email address because I think I, I we joked about having his email address. I can do it with you guys, the second or third. I can add a lot of energy remotely, but if you want to come up, that's okay. Good. But I need to minimize the in and out time because it's crazy, a crazy month for, for me. So if you want to come, Love shake it. hands, record, and then hit the road, that's cool. But I don't want right. to be rude. Um, wow. And then so... That's yeah, and so what, what's your take no, no, on I that? Get, I get, yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, he obviously, the, the in-person thing, it's more, it's like that whole thing when you do a meeting and then you leave the meeting, go to the bathroom, and then you go to the elevator with the same person you had the meeting with. Yeah. It's like you've yeah, already done yeah. your goodbyes, yeah, you know, and then you've got to make small talk, and that meeting might have gone bad if it's you yeah, pitching yeah. an idea or something and, <laughs> yeah. and you failing. Yeah, but exactly. in an interview like this, he just wants you out. I mean, which is exactly. fair enough. Not, yeah, you, definitely. You, you know, like there's no mateship afterwards. It's all going to be left yeah. on the table or in the microphone, mm. which is wonderful. And yeah. and it proved that. Um, no, that's that's really good. Really, just yeah. a great, a great, I'm glad I asked yeah, on that. I've got one topic uh, on Seth Godin I need to ask you guys. And it mm. does relate to the fact that your show is the daily talk show. But um, something he said, I know you brought it up in one of your interviews. I think you might have brought it up with Andy Lee. Mm. And it was to do with the fact that you just, and it's one of Sefko, I've heard him talk about, it. you do the podcast because you do a podcast to arrange your own thoughts. So in some ways you're doing mm. a podcast, obviously you want an audience and all that. Yeah. But, but the mission of the podcast is to, organize your own thoughts to be your own creative and whatever endeavor you're doing outside of what a podcast has is. Sevs, uh, Sevs, has your light gone out? Yeah, it's gone out. Oh, his, his actual light's light gone has on. gone out. That's, it looks like pitch black, but it's actually just his light. Did, did, no, that, got, uh, did that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know I definitely, TJ, right. you can talk to that. Well, I th um, how do you become more articulate and by speaking? And for me, it's, it's, it's probably not the best approach. I think I've become, I think I've become smarter or more, what's, what's before being articulate. You need to have it in your mind or you need to have the thoughts in your head. I think I've been able to definitely arrange it in my mind by trying to vocalize it first and make that mistake and fumble. I think that is, that's worked really, really well for me. Um, I think that that's a part of you. I mean, and then it's the, the cathartic nature of talking about what is on your mind. And mm. I think it's, you know, it's the, the release that you get from it. And, and there's all those factors of connection and, and, um, and hitting those things that align with, you know, your, your passion or, you know, like storytelling or entertaining all these things uh being hit in that spoken word or this kind of a format i think what do you think JJ? synthesization like it's um it's similar to writing 
So I think that like we write, write to um, construct our thoughts and ideas. And I think that that's like, for me, it's more about conversation and listening. I think like having a, um, uh, you know, a, a team and then having um, uh, guests. I think that that's, that teaches me about listening. So yeah. I think it's a huge part of it. Like the self-development bit. Yeah. And that's, and he has that point, doesn't he? He, he he's a, Godin says that everyone should have a podcast. Just, mm-hmm. just basically to, because well, you guys have got gave, gave different answers there, which was wonderful. So mm-hmm. it's different, and I presume I, I, let's just go under the podcast banner. Um, but Godin says that everyone should have one because it arranges your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Arrange your thoughts. That's the beginning of everything, and, and it, it just fascinated me. And I know you guys have said that, and I think I even said when I met you the fact that it was daily. Your, your show was daily and I was like, wow, this is going to be a lot of work for you guys, but, and you've smashed through it being, I know it's a lot of work, but, but you make it look very easy now, but is it that whole idea that you will enter a conversation and you'll have already thought about things you're going to answer, not necessarily researching, but how mm. to, it will be constructed when you sit down for that one hour chat with your guests the following day. Yeah. yeah I think it's also like a, yeah, repetition is a big one too. So like the more you sort of say things and communicate, it's very, like, I think it's also hard to sort of quantify because you just sort of end up, um, Mm. you make these small changes. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the part of it, uh, I think it's whatever you put into it. So um, you probably could say that the practice of having a a tennis racket and a ball and hitting it uh, against a wall would provide a bunch of benefits from eye hand-eye coordination focus all of these types of things and i guess that that's i think repetition in any form whether it's writing right speaking i think that the thing with the speaking is speaking is more about the listening it's about like thinking about oh what's what is what am i saying now and how is it relevant to the people who are listening what do they care about how do we empathize with them what's the other perspective i think that that's way more powerful than the speaking bit right mm. no no good good, good answer on, on him again one more is um he's he's friendship with brian koppelman have you listened to their podcast yeah oh, yeah i love them oh yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really interesting because they're they're so different like yeah koppelman take he's an artist right so mm-hmm. he, he he takes knocks and gets sad if someone crosses him at a dinner party over the job he does or you know, that he's a writer, a screen, a TV writer, and someone looks down at that. And but he brings all this stuff up to Seth, and mm. Seth helps him with with these. It's it's they're they're an interesting friendship. Like I wouldn't have yeah. thought they would cross over, but I, I quite enjoy their chats. And that's very thematic. That Billions premieres <laughs> Sunday night, the fifth season, um, that, which is Coppelman's mm. show that he that he writes. Um, you know, this Sunday, so I'll be watching that. Have you been, sure. have you, Brad? You like, have you have you spoken about yeah. uh, screenwriting? Have you done any writing yourself? Yeah, yeah. Over the, yeah, that's what I set out to do twenty years ago. I, I was trying to write the um, the next great Aussie sitcom, um, and I I wrote it. I wrote the the, the, the Bible, and I wrote the um, uh, the first three scripts, and and I'd writ, wrote those as a, an accountant in London. Came back to Australia to try and figure out, but I knew nothing. I didn't know who to you know who to go to or anything and i was living in sydney i moved to sydney for that reason because i thought that'd be 
you know, they, they make TV up there more than Melbourne. I didn't, I mean, I just assumed that. Um, probably because I was a Hey Dad fan, you know. Um, anyway, um, and then I had the uh, had this script, and I, I might have sent it to one person, and they gave me some criticism, and then I went, ah, this is not for me. Put it under the bed, and yeah. And then you know, a month a month later, I came up. I couldn't get an accounting job, and that's when I came up with the idea. Oh, why don't I try radio? I've got a wedding in New York in August two thousand. Why don't I go over there and see if a radio station. Had, what my Sydney Olympics reports from Bondi, and um, that's sort of when the radio little, you know, the, the turn, the little turn I took, has ended up me up, you know, being here 20 years, which is good. But I loved the screenwriting element of it. You know, I did the Robert McKee classes. You know, I've done yeah, two, two, two of those, and there, I went to Macquarie University, did one in, I think June 2000, which was, you know, fantastic. And then I did another, you know, did him again in New York uh, a couple of years later. Um, so yeah, I mean that's I would have loved to have gone down that road. But can you yeah, still do still it? Can, like, I is guess. It, Look at us. Yeah, still, yeah. I still, yeah. You know, I, I I think of ideas and try to you know try to write things. Yeah, you, know, you see Are you here, a note taker? Do you day. take a lot of notes? Yeah, I'm a big note. Yeah, massive can you show us one of your notepads? Is, can we, can you can you show us that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's have a look here. Yeah, um, have a look. This is good. My, let's take your headphones. I don't want to. Then we'll get oh, Before I sure. leave, ponder this. This yeah. is a uh, New York City, New York Post subway. Um, Scrubway. Scrubway. There you go. Scrubway. Okay, great. Uh, it almost it doesn't that just seem like a magazine? Like the yeah. the newspaper seems like it's yeah. out of a three you know, get your out of Spider Man, out yeah. of a Marvel movie. You know, it, what, it did look like that, didn't it? It does. Definitely. It does. It I mean, like a, we're it seeing like it on comic movies, cover. Though, but. There is that sort of cr crazy nature. It's like it's all fake. It's like yeah. this fake. There is something like intoxicating a, like about the US. film set. Yeah. Oh, I fucking love it. Uh, I, uh, what did what I write you? here? Um, I, I watched a bit of the, uh, you know, oh, so just simple notes. And this is stuff that, and I started using a pencil, which is weird because my kids are, you know, homeschooling, so they've got loads of pencils around them. And I find it quite easier to write in. Um, like I've got, I have so much content, like yeah. thousands of hours of interviews that I've never even published. And you know, one thing came up the other day. I think I was watching Almost Famous, and I love Billy Crudup in that. And I interviewed Billy Crudup for the morning show last year, and I didn't really. I think I put the interview up on YouTube, and the interview was all about. I knew the interview wasn't going to run on radio or anywhere, so it was all about pretty much Almost Famous, which I love the movie, and um, him. I know he, he plays poker with a friend, so it was all about poker. And uh, it was great. So I wrote here, morning show cast, and the rest of the cast, other than Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, who were so held back, were awesome. So I was like, why don't I republish all those interviews? Um, and then I watched the Beastie Boys documentary, which I love, which someone should watch on Apple Plus. And what's it called? What's Tarantino the, what is it called? What's the doco called? Uh, I, no, I, th uh, I think it's, it's just Beastie just, Boys. Beastie Boys, yeah, Beastie Boys. It's uh, directed by Spike Jones, and it's essentially them on stage. I think at the Apollo Theater in New York, in Harlem, and they just come out, and it's like a, um, it's like what, like a, it's it'd be like if you guys doing a cheese and wine night with a PowerPoint presentation, just running through your best of bits. And I'm like, wow, this is so simple. And it, the crowd was packed. They weren't even performing, but they were playing video clips of their. Um, so, and I have an interview of um, one of the Beastie Boys from uh, a red carpet 
for the Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino. And, the, and it was great because he went into this whole bit about when the Beastie Boys are touring and he went and saw, uh, they saw Reservoir Dogs for the first time. And I'm like, to me, that's like a clash of one great genre of artists clashing with a Tarantino just as he's coming out. And I, so that excited me. So that's, uh, you know, scrappy notes there with food items on them. But yeah, look, uh, yeah, look. There's I love so, your mind, yeah. Brad. Do you get yeah. that compliment a lot that people love your mind? Oh, I don't know. I think maybe it's just was, we're all a bit nuts, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, like, yeah, but look, no, and I gravitate towards you guys because you guys are, you guys have a crack and, and I, you know, and I, I had a crack and, but my biggest thing is you get older, you, you're having, how I've gone is I've taken the, the foot pedal at certain times and, and I've got to keep, and I'm probably getting that from you guys who are now pulling a bit of energy from you guys and, and thanks for saying you like my mind to to have a crack again you know yeah. and to not give up and that's uh i think that's but the did biggest you ever? like it sounds like maybe that just became your new normal like if you're filling out notepads every you know every yeah. week or every month or whatever like that is that is executing on that do you think you've just gotten so used you know used to and familiar with that that it's become normal I, I, to be hard on myself, I think from the normal of writing the notes, I think you've got to have actionable items, right? I, I've mm. got to create, like, I've just told you this story about the, you know, interviewing one of the Beastie Boys on the, on the red carpet of a Tarantino movie that I did like five years ago. That should be, I should finish this call with you guys after I do this, find that piece and just pump, pump it, mm. you know, and, and cause it was cool. And, and, regardless of anyone seeing it, I enjoyed that story. So I should get that out. And, mm. and I think I can take all these notepads, but at times I'm not actioning and that's yeah. where I've got to, you know, action more, you know, to, to give it, you know, to probably highlight a weakness on, yeah. on my part. So, I mean, if you're going yeah, to those um, sort of yeah. screenwriting courses and things like that are there, I mean, it feels like the U S has a course or a coach or a consultant for everything. Have you ever looked at everything, sort of a, yeah a consultant yeah. to, to help you with that? Yeah, I, I have various forms of figuring that out, um, but that would be the right the right way to go. Like, mm -hmm. look, you know, I've been working on writing my book for a long time and, you know, I've got, you know, I've probably done a second draft of the book and it's sort of a origin story, you know, the first two years of my life in New York City, um, sort of how I got the job, how I had to change in the job and then how I, um, and, and, and then how I kept the job. Um, and it's sort of, that's those three elements into this story that's essentially a, a drunken, you know, late twenties fantasy, you know, um, that went well, that worked in the end and that I didn't get fired. So, um, you know, there's something like that. I'd love to figure out how to get that, craft that into an idea and figure out how to turn that into something. So mm. yeah, I have a bit of work to do. Brad, Josh, but I feel like you, yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of contacts. <laughs> Who, um, when do you ask for help? When do you ask the, yeah. the powerful people around you for yeah, a hand? I, I don't. And, and, and I don't. And I don't. And I, I put that down to, is it just kicking the can down the road, maybe? Um, but, and it might be that whole perfection thing, wanting to have something perfect to do, to, to ask. But that's obviously not how you're meant to do it. You're meant to probably ask when you're 
thirty percent down the road. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm answering your question by throwing it back to you. Woo! Ah, uh, guess what? There's only two hours to go. Sorry, Brad. That was just uh Yeah, no, no, it was great. I love that. It pumped me up. But yeah, no, I don't know the ass <laughs> well, That's something I've got to work on. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But you're right. I have to I have to I have to but I think I gotta have something in a form. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. You you pick your ask when and it's not, you know. And I get it's who who you ask. It's not like you can just But I think you've got you're great at friendships. From what I tell, if you asked me to help you yeah. with something, I'd fucking help you with a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tommy. Thank you. <laughs> you're a good man. Yeah, no, thanks. That's good. There's there's something in that though. The the whole helping helping people, which is mm -hmm. good. It's a good 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 discussion point. Maybe that could be one of your interviews down. There. Find someone who's a great. You know, I'd, I'd love to listen to that podcast that you put out. Uh, Michael Bungay Stania, who uh, wrote the book The Coaching Habit, is one of the best coaches in the world. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Uh, one of his uh, favorite questions is, uh, what is your biggest uh, challenge? So, Brad, maybe to, uh, to finish yeah. up, uh, yeah. you could answer, what is your biggest challenge right now? Uh, uh, let's, outside of the, the whole where we're all at and lockdown, yeah. and whatever, but just in what was, you know, my biggest challenge in my cre creatively and where I wanted to go and whatever is actually sitting down and focusing you know um the easy part of my setup is being able to have a microphone and talk to people and create a fun conversation and keep that flowing and hopefully get some comedy and some laughs out of it uh or in a radio environment or something like that that's good but how do you create that something solid and that's my biggest challenge yeah there you go. i think it makes create sense i think focus work yeah have you have you read um, Deep Work by Cal Newport? I haven't, but I know I'm very yeah you know, yeah. It's one of those he did um, digital minimalism as well. Yeah, there's oh, a, I mean yeah. there's always a risk with those books that you sort of go like you try and um, you know, get off social media <laughs> you go and do all that. Yeah. You go too far, oh, right? But it feels yeah, like there is something. Uh, it's with every, all the archives and everything that you've got. That's the challenge like that I even face is like looking at like you almost cr have this huge weight on your shoulder, which is your past work that you feel like you need to tap yeah. into. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's great. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you, I think you, you asked me about Ricky Gervais, how many interviews, 19. Yeah. I should have been able to go back to you and go, here's the 19. Go and check mm. out my SoundCloud, my youtube and you go bang yeah. bang but you know and they're not all there you know that's that's on me you know um oh. but also we're all flying that's the whole thing which is yeah. like it's mm, you just are. you wouldn't have did you know at the the first uh interview that you would do 19 and that ricky gervais would be who no. he is and like no. it's no. it's all just circumstances right mm -hmm. it is yeah it's crazy um, but Anyway, I'm pumped. This is good. Hope yeah. this has been a good 4am day. The paper boys are getting up now. Oh, yeah. Ready to deliver the newspapers. The milkman's out. The bread's being baked. And you guys are still firing. So, yeah. I Thanks so much, you, It's been a pri pri privilege to be a part of it and, and watch it. So, thank you so oh, much. Thanks me. so much, Brad. Just thanks quickly, much, what buddy. was that newspaper? What was, the, what was that oh, newspaper? Yeah, so it was yeah. the New York Post. Today's headline, they're cleaning. The first time ever the subway will shut down every night to clean up scenes like this. So it's going to shut from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. and they're going to 
uh, make sure the homeless people get off the subways and they disinfect the trains. Yeah, first step in turning New York back back on. I think the 15th of May is the official date when they're starting to lift things um, for New York State. Oh, wow. But anyway, yeah. Awesome. Wow. Awesome, mate. All right. Thanks so much. Have a Thank good one. Bye. See ya.